Good evening, sir. Look at you, all bright and sunny, and <laughs> set with pink in your shirt. You just look happy. Oh, I apologize. I mean, it's despite your best efforts and throwing me a three-hour-plus oh, bond experience. So here we I'm... go. Blame Mike, because Daniel Craig wanted to go out with some dignity. I don't know what they were going for. <laughs> I don't know if it was dignity, but it was. he certainly made it so that he couldn't come back. I think that, that all the possible loose ends are tied up. He learned from Harrison Ford. Do not leave your persona tied to the franchise. This is it. This is it. When her secret finds its way out, it'll be the death of him. James Bond, I've made you redundant. Not as long as there are people like you in the world. Just what? What is it? Six? There? Are we still on the three-hour difference? Yeah, we're we're it's six right now. I just I'm just giving you grouchiness. Like you know, it's dark out here. It's the end of my day. Wondering what I'm doing with myself. It's a good time to podcast. Here we go again. Why? Don't know. Yeah, fair enough. You didn't enjoy No Time to Die. Is that what I'm gathering from this? Um, I enjoyed one of the three movies oh. that were there, but it, it, it's. Okay, so then my main problem is that it has, I feel like it is kind of three chapters, this film, um, and any one of them I would have been fine with. Um, I was actually really excited when it starts out, and it almost feels like a thriller. Um, it's a little bit slower, more intense. There's a couple jump scares right in the beginning, and I thought that he was leaning into the horror roots a little bit, which I kind of kind of liked. I thought this could be something different than I'd seen from a Bond film. And then that all gets thrown out the window and say, okay, so we're moving into the batshit crazy stuff. No, we're going to super grounded. No, we're going more batshit crazy. We're getting ridiculous with the one-liners. Like, Mm. seriously, Schwarzenegger level puns in this movie. So I... That's fine. It's all fine. Has that that not been the push and pull of the entire Craig era, though? Because I the only one, if I'm admitting, like, as far as rewatchability, is probably Casino Royale. Because it is the most, I don't know, normal, I guess, for me. I'm not, I'm not a Bond guy. like So I tried Neither to throw on one of the Pierce Brosnan ones. What was it? It was one of the rare times I'm like, this is not for a podcast. But I'm like waiting for my wife to get home. And I think it's like one of those free apps like Pluto TV. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is why people torrent shit. Like, <laughs> <it's> just <laughs> the quality sucks. There's commercials. Yeah. But I'm also fighting with the dog. I'm doing like some chores around the house. You know, perfect time to throw in a Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie. And then I thought, oh, so I'm being too hard on the Daniel Craig stuff because there was a course correction. I guess it's what like the Batman Begins effect. Like, no, 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 take this character seriously, which is Casino Royale. But correct me if I'm wrong. The Sam Mendes, the two that he did, they started going back to some of the like the cars and the gadgets. Like they tried to. That's kind of what bring I bring that back. Think- that's Skyfall and Spectre were his two, right? I think. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, and yeah, I'm kind of like you. I'm not not the biggest Bond fan in the world. And the one thing that I liked with the first one, with Casino Royale, his first one, that it he could get hurt after that car accident. I remember thinking, oh, this is something you don't see in Bond films. That's kind of interesting to have that 
slightly grounded approach to it. And then this movie, and we've gotten to this point where you have the slightly grounded approach where he has a limp and he gets hurt, but then there's also John Wick level gung fu and <laughs> these stunts that just don't make any damn sense. An absurd plot that is just way too convoluted. Um, oh yeah. Uh, this is where uh, Oscar winners that no one seemed to really like or support go to die is when you get the bad guy part in something. And because of COVID, this was delayed well past the time that uh, Rami Malek, I'm like, Oh Yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. That was that was a thing that we did. Few years something ago. happened. I mean, he'll always be Mr. Robot to me. So I think we can. That'll be the one that stands the test. Did of I get time canceled or did it just finish? I know that was like a pop culture sensation for a year or two. I'm okay. pretty, I mean, it was USA. They'll go to rid that oh, as long as right. they could have. I think. Take your shots, Maynard. <laughs> They're gonna USA ride that can't... thing to the ground. <laughs> How long has Burn Notice been on? <laughs> Is it still on? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Burden Notice even got like a spinoff. But those days are behind us. That's okay. That's what I found actually interesting about No Time to Die is that it seems like it's a franchise that in some sense is aware that film going has passed this character by. And and what you said to start this off, uh, you know, spoiler alert, I guess, um, that this time they want the transition from one actor playing bond to the next to mean something as opposed to just i guess it used to be like an uh, american idol like thing like who will be james bond for this decade that that sort of because <laughs> i don't remember i don't know what pierce brosnan's send-off was i probably didn't even watch whatever his last film was but there couldn't have been more than a few years between him and daniel craig it had to be early 2000s yeah that sounds about right he didn't get the respect that uh what Timothy Dalton got? Wasn't there like six or seven years between Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan? And when they were done with Brosnan, they were just like, yeah, bring in the next, whatever. Blonde, fine. Daniel Craig, layer cake, we got it. Um, but I kept thinking of, as I often do with these like big budget spectacles, it's like, oh, they want their like Marvel, they want their Avengers Endgame. They want this to be like, this is the culmination of something. And it felt kind of awkward at times to me like i don't mind daniel craig getting a send-off because there are probably a lot of people that want to like or like us that have watched all of his films but didn't you know that's because i don't know why i don't know why i didn't follow pierce brosnan's but it's like if it's going to be every decade you're going to bring in a new generation but i don't know if this is a series where they can have their uh tony stark death scene moment because even while it's happening it it felt like we're just killing Daniel Craig. We're not killing the <laughs> character. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I don't yeah. believe that they really want to commit to this, and I'm nor do I think that they really should. It's fine that James Bond just exists in perpetuity. So does it just become a 007 from here on out, and they change the name? I don't see. I don't even, even care. I don't care if no. uh, you know, just some idiot uh, who I. I figured they're going to give it some time, but uh, I don't care if it's another Oscar winner for some music biopic that just shows up and they're like, Bond, your next mission. And because that, that's the way we've done things, right? For the entirety of this character. Why why do we have to change it now just because it's like they want the the ending to mean something, but they want to continue making them. And well, that 
was an interesting it was an interesting discomfort I sat with at, at the end of it. They the thing is they it's they they decided to connect all these films together and had a continuous no, sorry about the dogs in the background. They uh I'm just surprised it's yours created, for once. Yeah, Jesus. for once they created a uh a storyline that they were gonna carry on from film to film instead of these things being just serialized and just everything that happened the last time didn't matter. I think that maybe in one of the Timothy Dalton ones, his wife died at the end of one of them. And it picked up with that little moment in the beginning of the next film. And that was about as much connective tissue as you would get in those films from one to the next. But this actually has a plot that I'm assuming makes sense to somebody out there, but it's also somebody that probably buys into the idea of viruses that can be manipulated to only attack certain DNA strands. And they are passed through touch and aerosol at first i thought is this a dig at anti-vaxxers and then i'm like oh shit that's the movie that's the movie i just watched that's <laughs> that's what they were doing yeah <laughs> you're right uh i took it as far as the whole craig series they're uh, continued callbacks to the uh what is the actress's name crazy eyed um green is that her name that uh plays from casino royale and then they always go back to her death as right <laughs> it means something more to bond than whoever he's fucking in this film <laughs> and it's it felt like it was very showy but um you know he's he's a pussy magnet it's just like that's a, he's a guy that just likes to have sex and it's like no 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 but this time there was one that he cared about that's not gonna stop him from fucking mind you <laughs> but she died so this isn't cheating it, it's just like these Seinfeldian like loopholes that they're building in to be like this this yeah. bond cares but all of his actions would prove otherwise other than as you mentioned the star of this film uh, he takes a break from fucking one, one woman to go visit the grave of another. And then the adventure begins like that <laughs> never should have gone to the grave. Cause there's a bomb in it. <laughs> then you're off to the races. Yeah. It's um, and I, I think that's that thematically is pretty much the entire film where Eva it Green. undercuts that's any, enough. I'm sorry, Eva green, Sin City oh, there you go. and yes. uh, 300, yep. you know, always yeah. kind of playing, uh, crazy like a fox sex positive type, type character um how could i figure her name she's lovely wonderfully talented actress i okay so i found myself thinking about something in the middle of this movie yeah a lot of time to think i had a lot of time i i pulled out map thought about some financial investments that i was working on should I invest in Dutch Bros? Should I, should I let let go of the S and P five hundred stock? And I just want our listeners to know that I reached out to you. and I was like, "Hey, have you seen No Time to Die?" Because I I wanted to talk about these things. As you can tell, not so, I mean, you've brought up more of the plot than I have. The the plot that I've forgotten as far as what the villain's up to. Uh, but and you responded, "No, but I was I was thinking about going to see it." And I'm like, "Well, that's enough. It is long. It is brutally long. Like I don't <laughs> don't put the runtime on me because." I remember having you watch something, I think, where Lily Tomlin played someone's grandma and was, like, taking her granddaughter to maybe get an abortion. And uh, that's okay. I don't remember much about that movie, but I remember you coming out guns blazing because we both agreed for the podcast. Does that look good? You want to do it? Yeah, let's do it. And then you led with attacks on me for taking me now, not the filmmakers, 
for removing you from the homestead away from your wife and children to go watch Lily Tomlin as a grandma. So I've been a little gun shy, especially with something that's damn near three hours long to like really recommend this. But it sounds like you had plenty of time to hate on the film as you sat in the theater. Just as Peacock and Paramount Plus intended. They're like, see, this is why theaters should die. (laughs) Well, I I was going to bring up something that is just absurd about me that I don't like these movies. I don't care about these movies, but every time one of these fucking things come out, they put the box set on discounted price. And I Mm. saw the pop up that day on Amazon. It was like all 25 bond films, $70. Yes. That's a pretty good price right there. I, I could I could get into that. That sounds all right. I won't watch, watch them it. all, but I will I like watch the, any of these. I like the and price I'm, point per disc there. That's that's sexy to me. Definitely value. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm watching this movie and thinking to myself, like, what is wrong with me that I would consider buying this? I'm hating this mm. while I'm watching, actively thinking about other movies that I could be putting on right now instead of engaging with this film. Would I ever put this on again? I, I actually would much rather watch a fan cut of this thing at this point in time where I think there's some good movies in here. Um, there's a couple of good chapters. You could shave easily an hour out of this thing and have something really effective. Okay. Here's a, uh, like a side question that do you believe sure. that the runtime is due to, you know, Daniel Craig's last ride that the, the finality of it, they felt like they need to give it the event status. And that also, it could just be the way that theatrical movie going uh, that, that direction that we're in, especially post COVID where people are only right. going out for the event stuff. Um, I also, you know, I wonder, is it the streaming side effect that everything is meant to be cut up? Even like, like the hateful eight when it's on Netflix, it's treated as a television series. The chapters sure. are episodes. Do you, do you think that it's that effect that it's like, okay, so we're only going to go out for big movies, but we're going to treat them like something that you would binge later because you're never, I don't mean to insult uh, film geeks, but I think the general population, I can't imagine in my video store days saying, Hey, enjoy this uh, bond movie. It's two uh, VHS tapes together. It's a, it's a double, it's the Godfather for James Bond. Yeah. You're, you're filing it. Like if it's the double tapes, Lawrence of Arabia, (laughs) no time to die, no time to die. And I, I just, I think that's just me being disconnected from pop culture Hmm. at this point where I, any of those movies, end game, whatever it is, three hour run times, it, that used to mean something. Um, when I'm watching even something like Casino and it's three hours long, I, th- that's three hours that I'm willing to hang out in, that I'm okay with that runtime. It feels necessary. Um, in this, it feels like so much of it is what you were saying. It's perfunctory, it's tying up loose ends, it's this making it an event for the sake of an event, not actually in service of a story. And it's a that, hint of desperation. Yeah, something. There's a reason we exist, goddammit, because it costs $300 million and it's three hours long. There is that, and, you know, the, you have the uh, <clears throat> the Snyder cut of Justice League, which I don't really hold that against it because I feel like <laughs> it has to justify itself by adding more content to do. And it's meant to premiere on television in chapters. This one, I don't know. <laughs> I kind of disagree with you on there's three good movies here i don't know if they're you know what and if you're going with there's going to be a little bit of overlap but i think you could really 
cut this down. And yeah, there, there were I, it, no parts of the film. I was always entertained by it the first time I saw it. Then it felt like, oh, we're doing this bit again. Now, now we're doing this in the woods. Now we're going to do this on the bridge. Now we're going to do this on literally the island layer. Like it just, it got to like Austin power level mm. absurdity in the end. And by the time it got there, if the setup would have felt more tongue in cheek, I think I would have been enjoying it a lot more um, that that ending didn't belong in this series of films. It felt utterly out of place. The individual set pieces are beautiful on their own. Yeah. And they're really cool. Like if it was, if they weren't a two hour action movie, uh, a few of them, or if they, it, I don't know if it all took place on that one island or something. It was some contained thing where it's just one big romp through the woods to the the base or whatever. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I've already mentioned my distaste for, I guess, iRobot and his acting. I saw him in the um, HBO thing that came out earlier this year. Uh, (laughs) uh, Whatever it was with Denzel, the HBO Max thing that premiered. Oh, the uh, serial killer movie with uh, where he's like the jared leto the angry cop and i'm like my god you're letting little uh, things right yeah i'm like how are you letting uh another terrible oscar winner not denzel uh but how are you letting joker just like blow you off the screen like you're actually making (laughs) jordan catalano look subtle in his choices (laughs) (laughs) and so i you know the thing i would have done with this guy is he uh i would have done the uh terrence malick thing where i would have removed all of his scenes where his, his face is exposed or he's speaking. He is just guy in the mask. He's basically one of the animals from your next for James Bond. Cause when that's happening, when it's just a creepy dude in a mask yeah. terrorizing people, I'm like, Oh wow. Can we do a James Bond movie where the villain just shuts the fuck up and just does his business until James Bond inevitably stops him? No. And that's, that's playing into the Austin powers thing where there's this, push and pull where I think they want to embrace the tropes that have been, yeah, you know, satirized. Like even if, if Austin powers now you could probably do the tropes of that series, which is a satire of bond. And the fact that they want to go back to that, it almost feels like, so people have forgotten those, right? Like Austin powers is far enough removed where we don't have to step as far away. Like I remember a scene in casino Royale where, uh, I think the bartender asked him, like, you know, you want this shaken or stirred? And he says something like, who gives a shit? And I'm like, yes, that's the bond I want. But then (laughs) that that was it. It's like once they felt like comfortable in the room where it's like, okay, we can be silly again. They brought that back. But it is a weird mixture of attempting to be Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight series, which I don't know if they ever allowed it to get too jokey. I mean, certainly Heath Ledger's performance is pretty broad as Joker but I don't think that they felt comfortable by the end of rises of like, let's put some nipples back in here. I think we've earned enough goodwill that we can do that again. Do you think that's the thing where they invest too much time and people have, they go through, I don't know, this is the third director. I think that was attached to this particular project, this this particular film. Yeah. 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 I think Danny Boyle at some point, Danny Boyle was doing it. And so you end up with all these different revisions of the script and it feels like that, um, that John Peters thing where these elements get left behind and it's just, Oh, there was some producer who said they had to have this thing from giant spider. Got to. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I got some directives for you. If you're going to move forward on the process, some things I want you to do and don't in the script. He's going three things. Okay. I said, all right. One, I don't want to see him in that suit. 
Two, I don't want to see him fly. And three, he's got to fight a giant spider in the third act. And I'm like, let's, let's go back to one. When you say you don't want him in the suit, and he's like, don't want to see him in it. Don't want it. looks too faggy, he goes. And I was just like, no fags on the street, I take it. But I don't say that because I want the fucking job. So uh, he said, flying, flying. I don't want to see him fly. I said, well, that's, I mean, that's kind of the suit and flying defines Superman. So don't want to see it. Don't want to see him fly. No scenes where he's flying around carrying people. Horseshit. Said, all right, all right, no flying. I said, but the giant spider intrigues me. Why, uh, why that? And he's like, do you know anything about spiders? And I said, I mean, no. And he said, well, they're the fiercest killers in the insect kingdom. And I was like, what's, what's that have to do with our non-flying Superman? And he said, because there's going to be a scene in this movie, a scene that I want. When I saw King Kong when I was a kid, there's a scene where the doors open up and King Kong's revealed. And it's a real big moment. I want that moment in this movie. I want some doors to open up, but big fucking spiders there. <laughs> so I was just like, um, all right, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Those kinds of things. And it, it's like if... Because this is the guy that's credited and beats Beast of No Nation. It, um, um, beautiful film, great screenplay. You think that he's doing a page one rewrite, it would have ended up more of kind of like what it part one worked and part two didn't. And it's because of his script that it worked. Um, or at least that's what a lot of the credit that you hear, mm-hmm. that the reason that was so effective was because of his screenplay. It feels like if they would have let him actually do just a page one rewrite of this, we would have ended up with a much different film. Um, where this doesn't seem representative of his work. So I don't want to hang this on him necessarily, but it's just, this is what happens when you just remake things a thousand times before it gets made. <laughs> What's going on? It's it's just funny because it seems like what you're saying is they need to take more time with this. And I'm sure the, uh, you know, MGM, uh, which, you know, I, in some weird way they're like owned by amazon but amazon doesn't have any of the rights to bond or has no control over what they yeah. do with bond uh it's just amusing that you would be the guy in the room it's like uh this one needs to bake in the oven a little bit longer and they're like god damn it we've had this on the books for three years <laughs> like get it well, out to the people didn't you like at some point we've they've sat on this for 18 months from the original release date till today Somebody could have looked at it and said, maybe this isn't working completely. But then again, I don't, are people reacting to this? People think this works overall. I thought as far as I, you know, seeing it opening weekend, um, I, you know, I don't really go on Twitter much anymore. Um, except it's never know. a good gauge of an audience's response. Well, though. you know, it depends on the day, you know, it's like, you know, Thursday night, uh, is it loved? And, you know, by Saturday, is it a backlash to the backlash on Friday? I, I don't know, but I felt like I glanced, I'll look this up now, uh, for our dear listeners, I thought it was like in the 80s on Rotten Tomatoes. I thought this was one that people were 84%. That seems pretty high for 84. something like this, right? Yeah. Um, I don't remember what Casino Royale got, but I would expect it to be something similar where it's like, oh, yeah. shit, 94%. So, oh, never mind. 
you know, when the numbers work for me and my taste, I'm like, all right, vindicated. I was, that's, that's why that's the one I go back to. I'm sure quantum of solace, not so much, but, um, I, <laughs> I don't know if it's a reaction to the time it came out because I feel like did Godzilla and Kong get that type of response? It certainly did from audiences where it's like movies are back, big spectacle. Like we just have well, something to look forward to and be excited about again. And I felt like this would not get a pass. Cause like I said, I enjoyed it. But I, I do feel like there's like a, a an afterglow to it that may not last years from now uh, when it's just back to doing more shit with Bond. I don't know if I don't I'm not saying people were being critics are being misled to thinking and this was the end of James Bond and what an ending it was. I don't think anyone really believes that, but I, I feel like they are kind of buying into the uh, the the Craig culmination hype. It's like this was the end of something and. It's weird mm. because I don't feel like it's very Star Trek like like Casino Royale received well, Skyfall received well, but then you have the other you have Quantum of Solace and Spectre and it's like just generic trash. So yeah. <laughs> this isn't like an like all around beloved series, but it seems like it fools us every 3 to 5 years we get another one and people are like, "Oh, I kind of like Bond." But if they if they rush back with another one, they're like, "This this sucks. What was I thinking?" I, I don't know. It's this very um this weird flirtation people have with can franchise filmmaking be good. And I think that there's only critics in particular, it seems like there's so many no's that they give that when there's something mm -hmm. that's slightly above average, it's fucking fantastic. And I'm no better, but I, I do think like they're all chasing that dark night thing where it's like an old fashioned, everyone loves this sort of response and they're what? desperate for it. But you brought up the example of something that's not the dark night at all, where and the reason that I think the Dark Knight works and something like King Kong versus Godzilla works is because they both know what they are. Mm -hmm. They're both movies that embrace what they're trying to do, um, where it's two giant monsters fighting each other. Let's give them a lot of that and really not pay too much attention to the humans because that's all just secondary anyway. Um, they tried to do that approach with the our first Godzilla movie, and it just didn't really work. And then they just as they kept going along with this particular series of films, I think they've embraced what it is. And it's just batshit crazy falling into an upside down volcano or whatever the hell was going on in that movie. And you're like, yeah, this, this, this works for me. I get this. Um, you're saying this is the opposite it, though, that they, yeah, this is the opposite. Okay. Well, this, this unfortunately isn't that if it was leaning into it and knew what it was, I think it would be a far more successful film. Um, the real way that you, to me, the way I judge things like this, or what were they trying to accomplish? And it feels like they were trying to accomplish satisfying audiences, and that never really works when you're doing it that way. If you're making something that has a very specific point of view, then it can work, whether it's franchise filmmaking or not. Um, the Marvel movies are not my thing, but they have a formula that they're sticking to, and they kind of know what they are within certain bounds. And I think that's why they work and why they resonate with audiences because they're sticking to that. Would they resonate though? If they, cause they're kind of on the Netflix model of just volume, mm -hmm. volume shooting. Yeah. Would they resonate in the, cause bond is still in, you know, without COVID. Cause I think this is a really long time, you know, longer than they anticipated as far as in between sequels, but bond yeah. is an old fashioned franchise where it's like, you'll get a sequel in three to four years. It is not right. every year we're giving you four adventures and it seems like with the Marvel series, there's there's not enough time at all to really digest what the other one was because it's just another link in the chain. And so I don't know if I should be should I be happy 
the, is it the Broccoli family? I, get, I can't remember who, like, they have all the say in what, like, how the James Bond character is used. Um, it's it's not the Fleming family that she No, that? no. I mean, not, you know, I don't, I'm sure that, like, Jack Kirby or somebody, they got paid 15 bucks and then <laughs> that's all they get out of this <laughs> no, shit. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure if MGM could get their hands on it, you would see a more Marvel like approach where there'd be multiple mm-hmm. spin off TV series that you'd have to watch scale pieces for the big movies, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I don't think something like, you know, anything in the Ant Man series resonates in a way with any of the product like skyfall i'd say that there were probably for general audiences there's individual moments from skyfall that they remember more than are there three ant-man movies or there two i can't i don't know but it's they they all run together yeah but how many times has ant-man like been forced down our fucking throats like i don't know seven or eight times (laughs) paul rudd so I, i don't know if that's if it's a fair comparison but i i do kind of miss the uh the old days of we'll wait and see if you like this and don't and trust us we will ruin this character don't (laughs) we'll get there but it's like any sort of bumps in the road that marvel has there's no time to really say well they've lost their way because a month later there's something else that there's always commercials for i don't i don't know and i guess i'm you know as with all of our podcasts i'm saying i don't know what i want from this um like you know the pornography thing i'll know it when i see it i'll know what turns me on when it's good i mean these never were for us to begin with and being annoyed that casino rail though i mean yeah and it it can trick you that's what i'm saying it's like they can do something i'm like hey maybe this is for me and then you know we all make mistakes in the bedroom you're like okay yeah that that was just a (laughs) one-off type thing um, there were some there were some three o'clock in the morning eyes at the mm-hmm. bar probably with Casino Royale. Now and... you look like fucking Quantum of Solace. Now I see what you truly are. <laughs> uh, and I was right on that, by the way. That and Spectre's sixty four and like sixty three percent Rotten Tomatoes. Skyfall's like ninety two. So yes, this is very Star Trekian in that way. But um, your misery is over, Chris. That's it. Yeah, that's the end of. Don't fool me again. I'll I'll go back again. I, I've seen a bunch of these things. I keep going back for some reason. I have no idea why. They feel like like there's. It almost feels like a disconnect within me that these movies mm. don't work for me. It feels like it's something that really should work for me, and I don't know why they don't. Um, going back and watching all the Connery stuff that I've seen, not all of them, but enough of them. Um, yeah, it's just for whatever reason, these things have never really worked for me and they continue to generally not work for me. So that's, but that's I'm not right. at fault here, right? You were going to see this anyway no. at some point. I would have, I would have seen this at some point. I probably would have found an excuse not to watch it this week. But then when you were saying that and they've really screwed me with this thing where I can look at the theater and see how many people aren't in the movie theaters right now. And you can mm-hmm. pick your seating. Like, 4 30 there's not one ticket sold at this point okay yeah <laughs> I would, yeah I'm, yeah okay i'll go yeah they, they ought to push that more i mean it's obviously like if it's a successful marketing campaign um you no longer have that particular campaign to hang your hat on but the whole basically like uh private party thing because i get those emails all the time like yeah. my local cinemark's like rent out the whole thing and to your point it's like i i've been doing that for eight bucks <laughs> sir <laughs> like, i went to see the uh fucking card counter and paul schrader all me, baby. You know, it's <laughs> at the whole theater myself. I think it was you and Paul Trader through the whole country. <laughs> yeah, but was... uh, you know, he was probably more angry about that. Where I was like, "Great, it's just just me and Paul." Um, 
I did. I want to throw you a curveball for this this okay. podcast. So, what would be a movie that you and I could could agree on that would connect us from this to the Halloween? Is it Halloween Kills that's coming out this weekend? Is there yeah. something that would get us from James Bond, Daniel Craig's Daniel Craig's Last Rodeo, to yet again Michael Myers is back and then bringing back Jamie Lee Curtis again? Is there something more palatable that would be the barometer as far as this is what you should get to, but probably neither one of these films will. I, I say that I've, I've not been privy to any of the screenings of the Halloween movie. I've just seen the early response, which has not been uh, positive really in the horror community so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been pretty, pretty mixed, pretty rough, but the trailers that I've seen, everything that I've seen from it looks like it's just, kind of a pretty brutal movie from what I can see. It looks like there's just a ton of kills in this thing. Um, Not a lot of story here, but I mean, they're stretching this thing out into three movies already. So yeah, I mean, is there a movie that's basically, I guess if you're going off of a theme of selling you finality, but the filmmakers Mm. and the audiences both don't really buy into it being a final product, but that's, that's the, the, almost the plot in itself is this is final, but not really. Well, I mean, Jesus, is it, you mean something that's out right now or in the past, something that's happened? Yeah. Any, any, any movie is there, is there something you you could go to that in Halloween resurrection. The last time they killed off Jamie Lee Curtis, the last time they killed off Laurie Strode, where you know they had the they brought her back in in H2O and then they killed her off in Did, Resurrection in the first five wrong. minutes. I was uh, debating this uh, with someone at work, and both of us <laughs> were debating, uh, as almost any like sort of internet film argument should be, based off of something we saw. Like I watched H2O at a drive-in, and I've never seen it since. And this guy also saw it in theaters, and we were both debating the ending of it. No research. Neither one of us pulled out our phone to check on it, but it was a very old man. Like, we just want it to be, it's like Reservoir Dogs. We're just going to let our willpower dictate who's it's... winning this argument. Did okay. he get his head chopped off at the end of that? Did she take an axe and chop? That's the memory I have, is that they tried to have a visual of, no, she's actually killed Mike Myers this time. But he said I was wrong. He said, no, that's not in that one. I don't think that's how it ends, but I, I have the box set that Shout Factory put out a couple years ago that had all of the Miramax stuff and all of the whatever, um, the original five. And I've yet to put on H2O. That, that and Resurrection are the two that I just have no interest in ever revisiting. So <laughs> You've totally failed this little uh, experiment. Yeah, I like, apologize. Can you think of one? You're like, yeah, hey, I can think of two. I never want to watch those again. Like <laughs> they're trash. I don't know. I'm going to think on that too. It's not that they're trash because they are what they are. I mean, they, they're not supposed to be great movies. It's just that I didn't, I don't have high, very fond memories of them. It's kind of in that dimension period when phantoms and those types of films were coming out. And so dimensions was making a lot of really bad straight to video horror films, but because Halloween was tied up in the name, it actually got a theatrical release. But I remember thinking this is not a very good movie. So I'm sure it hasn't gotten better. I'm just now cheating uh, for my coworker and Halloween H2O ending. Ah, God damn it. 
um, YouTube clips. But I will say this. Um, going to see this movie, I saw the trailer for Licorice Pizza. That was worth the price of admission right there. Didn't get that one. Um, actually, I don't know. We got... I did see it, um, and my wife thanked me for it because I told her, hey, this is damn near three hours long. So we went to, unfortunately for us, the uh, we had a really huge theater open. Like it's like it was predicated on this is the biggest screen in the state, like large format. It's not like mm-hmm. officially IMAX, but it's also not like that Limax bullshit. Um, sure. And heated seats, like you, you control like your reclining seat and control the headrest, all of it. The le- like, my wife, she was into the buttons as far as like, oh, this is just comfortable. Um, but because of that, we were definitely not getting whatever PTA was doing. It was all spectacle trailers. Like we got the Matrix Resurrections, which you know, no, I, no, that wasn't uh, <laughs> that wasn't attached. To not first, yeah, we got the stuff where it's like you paid for the most expensive screen in this joint. Here's why you should come back. So. Um, oh, but, I got, I got, I got the old person four thirty trailers. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're coming back for art. Okay, yeah, got that's, it. That's the card counter bit that I got there. <laughs> um, at the end of Halloween H two O, spoilers, <clears throat> Lori decapitates Michael, finally oh, killing go. him, or so she thinks. So that's the only thing I remember about that movie. So it's an ambulance and then it opens on an ambulance and then Halloween resurrection, I believe. And that's where Lori gets killed off in the end. I, in the beginning of the next movie, I'm pretty sure. And she filmed them on like the, when she was filming H2O, when I hadn't filmed her death for the next movie. So she'd never have to do it again and never have to talk about it again. <laughs> so but have you, while we've been talking about this, have you been able to think of anything that would fit that bill as far as something where, there's an actor that we're saying goodbye to, but nobody believes it. It's the clearly that's the what we're supposed to. It's this isn't going to be the the last ride. So maybe it's a. Uh, I wonder what decade you would have to go to get that. Would it be? Would you say it's the would the 80s be that? Because I assume if there's like like I just recently for uh, off screen death uh, the show I do with Dave. Uh, we actually did Godfather 1 and 2, and it was kind of, I guess, unfortunate for our listeners because it was hard to talk about one without the other. So we're like, well, sure. we, we might as well just come back and just do another episode for like, you know, the actual part to this podcast. And I imagine like when Godfather Part 2 came out that it was sort of a curiosity that they're doing a sequel relatively close. I think it was two years after yeah. Godfather 1. Uh, but also like the way that movie ends – there's no real need to see a third one either. It's not like, no. um, you know, bringing up Matrix again. When Reloaded came out, that was filmed back to back with was it Revolutions, and yes, it's an yeah. obvious cliffhanger. They, they, you're in the middle of a decision of action. Um, so I, I, I would think that you would have to. I'd, I'd be very curious if there's something pre '80s where uh, sequels, uh, especially in the horror community uh, and action films. Uh, were just the norm at that point. Like it started to become the norm that's like, oh yeah, we're going to get, you know, at least three of these things before they, they wrap this up. Yeah. The, the horror films would, they were notorious for that. Um, action films in the eighties, maybe a little bit, but even that, it just felt like it was more the action star was just being taken from one role to the next. And it was the exact same character with a different title and not technically a series. But really, the, I mean, I guess Rocky goes back to the 70s, but 
none of those felt like movies that were final, I guess. There has to be a pretty big distinction between Rocky and Rocky 2, I'd imagine. It would be like if... Uh, yeah. Yeah, very, very much. <laughs> like, you know, Whiplash is like an underdog story to an extent. It's like, wow, everybody loved Whiplash, got nominated for Best Picture. Get Whiplash 2 going. And it's like, <laughs> I understand that it's a sports movie, so it's a little bit different. But I imagine that when Rocky came out, it fit, fit more in the Whiplash mold than what it would become when you get to Rocky Four, which did you say they're doing like a uh, Rocky Four? The director's cut version of it. The with final like 40 edition. extra minutes. Um, I don't know. Maybe we ought to just we ought to just go with something like Ridley Scott, and maybe you go with Meta, and it's someone that keeps telling you, no, no, I've got the the final version of this, and this is the one that defines uh, Blade Runner. But then there's like seven of the, I don't know how many there are in my like box set, but more than I'll ever check out. I'm really looking forward to the director's cut version of the last duel. Uh, I, I'm assuming it'll be what the, the last, last duel. I would love for him to just buy into his own like home video pursuits where he's like, yeah, I know. I know <laughs> like, there's going to be a, a few of these, but that time is almost passing by. I don't think that really like, I guess you could de debut it on like a streaming service, but there's certainly no like a uh, big hoopla for like an iTunes version. That's like a different cut. Not like there was in the tangible DVD days. He still keeps doing it though. And I, he's got that and the Gucci movie both coming out this year. He's got a, what is he like 83 or something like that? I would like to think that if I had his talent and early success that I would still be doing it. Probably not. No way. I probably would have given up two decades ago. Um, what about something like, um, U turn? You're done. <laughs> what about Oliver something Stone, like, you're done. Uh, oh, he's done after the Sean Penn movie. Like yeah. you don't get to make another fucking president movie. Okay. You're that's it. Like we gave you JFK and Nixon. You're not going to get W not anymore. Um, what yeah. about something like, um, before midnight, which is about possible ending of a relationship, but, I felt like by the time that one came out and I guess now it's not going to work out that way because, you know, Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy and Linklater are like actual artists. So if they don't have something new to say, they just don't make another one, but they yeah. missed their, they missed their, their little timetable of like every nine years. And so in a way, like while that felt like something that was just gaining in esteem as the third series and was gaining in popularity, um, in a way, they sort of backed into an ending for themselves creatively. We're like, yep, oh, this is it. I don't know if I felt that way at the time it came out. Like, I think in my back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, we'll be back for this nine years later. They're just going to keep doing this. It's it's almost like we caught on and then they said, all right, we're done. Yeah. And by the way, here here's the movie that I've been filming for the last 15 years yeah, with the same two actors fucking, that you hadn't heard of. I'll just so. throw that out there because... I just, <laughs> I just got projects all over this place, and here, here's another crumb. And yeah, I'll, I'll uh, be nominated for Oscars, and I should have beat Birdman, but you know, whatever. I'll just do it again. Yeah. Now I'm gonna do my baseball movie, and everyone will hate it except for Mike <laughs> and Chris. It's <laughs> great. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. I'd like to continue this. I'd like to somehow, if we can transition it into and do something for the Halloween movie, because I will be watching that one. But I'll admit, I'll just be watching it from the comfort. peacocking it. Yeah, comfort of my home on that one. I, is that like fair to like a horror movie? Like, uh, there's 
maybe some argument that like comedies they do play better with a crowd like in the dark they do. but yeah i just i don't think i can commit to something that seems to have like a sort of middling response and i'm also not the biggest halloween guy anyway i mean even though i'll like have a flat out argument with a dude about a movie from 98 <laughs> insisting that i was right and goddamn it i was um but yeah i don't i don't think that's gonna be a theatrical experience for me no i so something in between to kind of bridge the that gap between yeah. those two i'm yeah. i'm open to whatever man um Kind of a last hurrah movie. I have no idea. Um, I thought I mean, you were going to troll of, and say like you know Austin Powers Gold Member or something. I, I, I'm just it, it's the Halloween connection. It's like keeps landing me on like Rambo and shit like that. And I, I guess Rambo three would have been that. Rambo two would have been that. Rambo one would have been Isn't that. Sylvester Stallone kind of sneaking that Sylvester way Stallone. in the last 20 <laughs> years he's just made sequels to things or like quasi sequels and i don't feel like anyone gets too up in arms about it 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 almost feels like the most pure thing where it's like people who really want to see another rambo movie or another rocky are excited and the rest of us just leave them alone like no one bitches too much so he's ruining the character so rocky balboa would have absolutely been that before creed but then there was also Rocky would, Five, wasn't that in the early nineties? Wasn't that the street fighting Rocky? That was the final yeah, one. Yeah, the, the one where he was passing the torch to uh, Tommy Gunn. I think in both Rockies, the kid is hated. Right, that's been the uh -huh. problem. They've tried to pass it, and no one has liked Rocky's fictional child or the actors playing them. Well, until um, until we got around to Creed. Then you actually had a life. I don't think I don't think Stallone uh, can claim the talent. No, that's the, not him. The no, genes no, no, no. of Michael B. Jordan. Like, here's my son. <laughs> <laughs> but that that is the passing of the torch that an audience finally accepted. We'll figure it out. We'll do something. We'll do something. Yeah. I'd like All to, right. We'll continue this conversation around Halloween kills and we'll we'll have an answer. So I went back to Warner Brothers and sat down with them and they said he uh, we heard from him, he liked you. Uh, we're gonna hire you, you're gonna move forward. <laughs> Did he bring up the spider? I said, he did. He brought up the spider. He tell you guys about the spider? They're like, every day with the fucking spider. I said, what should I do? They're like, just do it, but try not to call it a spider. Call it, can you call it something else? And I was just like, Thanagarian snare beast? And they're like, there, go. So I go back up to fucking Wayne Manor. I sit down with John, and John puts me in a chair, and he's got a couch in this huge fucking living room. He lays down on the couch, and he goes. And I said, what's, what's with that? And he's like, I, just, I like to visualize the movie while it's being read to me. So I'm looking at it up here. He was building a little screen in his mind's eye. This was a screen. So I was just like, all right, here we go. And I start reading. And uh, since it's Superman, you know, you tend to use the term Superman a lot. And I didn't want to keep doing that. It gets a little boring. So being a comic book fan, I changed it up. Called him Kal-El when he was on Krypton. You know, the man of tomorrow, man of steel, shit like that. So I'm reading the first few pages when he's on Krypton when he's a baby. Because I have to redo the origin. And uh, it's Kal-El this, Kal-El that, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Who, who the fuck is Kal-El? <laughs> And I was like, Kal-El is Superman. He's going, all right, why? And I was like, that's his Kryptonian name. He goes, I'm like, Krypton's where he's from? He's like, right, 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 fucking planet, boom. All right, all right. 
go. <laughs> so I go back into it and shit, and I read it, and, and when I'm all done, he's like, all right, I think we got a movie here. He's going, the problem, though, you're missing some beats, some action beats. You need an action beat. Every ten pages, something big has to happen. I said, well, what are you thinking about? He's like, well, it's just an example. Like when you go, you have a scene where Brainiac goes to the Fortress of Solitude, looking for Superman. Superman's dead at this point. hope I didn't spoil the movie for anybody. So Brainiac's looking for him the Fortress of Solitude, and something should happen there. There should be a big fucking fight. I'm like, but Superman's dead at this point. He's like, I know, I know, but can't Brainiac fight something else up there? And I was like, well, like what? He's like, what about like Superman's guards as soldiers? And I'm like, why, why would Superman need guards? You know, he's, he's Superman. He's... And plus it's called the Fortress of Solitude. Nobody's up there. And he said, well, Jesus Christ. He's going, how about, what about, where is it? It's in the Antarctic? I said, yeah. He's like, what about polar bears? And I was like, polar bears? He said, yeah, have them have fight some polar bears. Brainiac shows up. He's trying to get in the fortress. Polar bears come at him, and he just fucking kills one, and one runs away. Because we don't want to piss off the PETA people. And I said, you want me to write a scene where Brainiac is razzling polar bears? And he says, yeah, you know anything about polar bears? And I said, no, I don't. He's like, polar bears are the fiercest killers in the animal kingdom. And at this point, I'm just like, this dude has way too much access to the Discovery Channel. <laughs> so I get done with my, my first draft, and, and I send it in, and they like it and whatnot. They start sending it off to people. They send it off to Nick Cage, Tim Burton. During this time, we have the premiere for Chasing Amy. And I invite John, because I know this dude doesn't know anything about my work. In fact, I, I don't think anybody at Warner Brothers knows much about my work beyond having read the script for Chasing Amy. Because I was always afraid somebody at Warner Brothers would, would be like, we, we gave our fucking million-dollar, multi-million-dollar franchise to the Clerks guy? <laughs> like, he's going to turn in a script with fucking Clark, you know, jumping on Lois, going, how many fucking dicks did you suck? <laughs> So I figured it was fair to kind of invite the producer of the movie I was writing to see my new movie. So I said, we're having this premiere for Chasing Amy. You want to come? He said, yeah, yeah. I showed up, and I talked to him the next day on the phone. I said, what did you think? He was going, interesting, interesting flick, which in Hollywood means I didn't like it at all. He's going, you know what I really like, though? He's going, the, the black guy, the gay black guy. I like that. I like that a lot. I like his voice. I said, yeah, yeah, Dwight. He's very funny. And he said, that's what we need in our movie. And I was like, you want Dwight to be in the movie? I know he'd fucking be happy to do it. He said, no, we just need that voice. We need that, that character, somebody like him in our movie. Can't Brainiac have a sidekick? And I was like, yeah, I guess. And he said, give him a little robot sidekick and give him that dude's voice. I said, really? You want the, the robot to sound like a gay black man? And he said, that's what this movie needs is a fucking, just a gay R2-D2. And at this point, the Star Wars movie was in re-release, and it opened up that previous weekend, made like 30 million bucks and shit like that, and he had gone to see it again. So he was like, we need more shit like that in our movie. We need something, something that like, we can make toys of and shit like that, like Chewie. We need Chewie in this movie. And I was like, you want me to just fucking write Chewie into the movie? <laughs> Superman razzling Chewie? 
And he said, no, but just something like that. Like maybe Brainiac has a dog and it's a little cute dog and we can make a toy out of it. Because that's what it's about. We've got to sell some toys off this movie. So I, that's what I need in this movie. I said, I don't really know if that's going to work. He said, don't tell me it's not going to work. I, I want my Chewy. And I was like, I got your fucking Chewy right here. But I don't say that because I like the job. So um, Tim Burton and Nick Cage sign on based on my draft. And I was kind of excited. I said, that's, that's kind of neat. You know, fucking Tim Burton, Batman, and Nick Cage, you know. Fucking Nick Cage. <laughs> but um, when Tim Burton got signed on to the project, Tim Burton signed a pay-or-play deal, which essentially means no matter what happens, Tim Burton gets paid whatever his directing fee was. I think at that point it was $10 million bucks, 5 to $10 million. Um, Tim Burton, once he signs the deal, turns around and says, I'm going to bring on my guys to write a script. And the Warner Brothers guys were like, well, what about the script we're developing. And he said, I don't want to use that. I want to do my own script. Presumably a version of Superman where he has scissors for hands. <laughs> so they turn around and they tell me, like, Kevin, we're, we're kind of done. Tim wants to go another way with, with a new writer. And I was like, all right. You know, and I wasn't really that upset. I didn't feel because I'd worked on it for two drafts. And I got to hang out with a really fucked up kooky dude. <laughs> a dude who I can tell stories about for the rest of my life. Um, and, like, they paid me a lot of money to do it. Like, I would have done it for free, but I didn't tell them that. But they paid me a bunch of money to do it. And it was just fun. Like, I got to work on Superman. I got incredible access into the DC archives and shit like that. And people would give me free Superman shit all the time because I was working on it. And then I got shit canned off and I started throwing Superman stuff away because who needs to be reminded? But I was really reminded the next summer when I went to the movies and saw a movie that John Peters had produced. And it was called The Wild Wild West. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the theater watching the movie. I'm like, good Lord, this is a piece of shit. But then all of a sudden, like a giant fucking spider shows up. <laughs> 